everybody. Welcome to the Surviving Culinarian, where we try to help you survive and thrive in the world of food. I'm Zach, uh, an amateur cook and full-time idiot. Uh, and joining me <laughs> is my co-host, Geneva, who is a professional cook and full-time smart lady. <laughs> Hello. Um, so you may have uh, uh, heard uh, me on Teenagers with Attitude, another podcast I do on the Audio Entropy Network. Uh, but you probably haven't heard uh, Geneva before, unless you are one of the people who just knows us in real life. In which case, hello, welcome. <laughs> um, hello. Uh, yeah, no, this is actually interesting hearing my own voice on a recording. It's not something I typically do, for sure. Oh, yeah, so so this is our, our second go at this. Uh, it's a little behind the scenes, and... Um, we're, we're just kind of still finding our footing, but I think we're getting there. Uh, Geneva, just so you know, it took me about 100 episodes of editing myself before I was used to my own voice. So don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I, I don't even like hearing myself like on uh, uh, the, the, the answering machine. Like yeah. that even weirds me out a little yeah. bit. She's like, oh, oh God, I sound like that. Yeah, the, oh. the best one is um, now the way I edit. Oh man, this is getting deep, but maybe some people will find it funny. Now the way I edit so that I don't have to listen to, you know, the full hour and a half or whatever is I listen to it at one and a half speed. So now I'm used <laughs> to myself as like a chipmunk, which is extra weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, uh, that sounds fantastic. Actually, it's very funny. Uh, so so yeah, I I I um, if you don't know uh, us, uh, you know, or me, or, or either of us, I am uh, uh, somebody who really likes to cook, but I I am not trained in any way. Um, I've always been really fascinated by like food shows and 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 you know things that a lot of people have gotten into different types of food network shows and stuff, but. I also kind of try to do my own little food adventures where I can. Um, but it's all just like me doing my best. Um, and it, it's something I've always wanted to learn more about, talk more about. Um, and Geneva is a, a, a professional. Um, and you went to culinary school. And, I did. And uh, I- one of the things I wanted to th- – this show is kind of going to be sort of about the – the like duality of like people who want to learn, but don't know anything. And then people who are, are well-trained, but uh, still want to learn too. So I think that'll, that'll be fun. Sorry. I didn't... There will be some making fun of Zach in the process. Yeah. yeah I... Just <laughs> so you know, I'm sure there will um, be funny, but go ahead. Sorry. So what, ma- well, a little bit more insight of us is that we have known each other for, <sighs> probably 10 years now. Oh, um, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen some of his cooking adventures back when he was in uh, college. Oh, you mean like when I and, got a uh, hamburger helper wrong? Um, that That's one of the things, yes. <laughs> I've come a little ways. And, and in the most loving way possible, you know, Zach was one of those guys that would also like back when he was dating uh would try and impress a girl with his <laughs> cooking this is where we're and going, huh? okay. sometimes i was the guinea pig and it's just like okay I, we're doing this now you know, i i, <laughs> I want to say that if you're listening to this and like are just kind of interested in cooking and food but don't know much like i am obviously still an amateur but like the difference between me now and me 10 years ago with cooking is so crazy and I haven't even had any training. So like, if you are like, I'll never be able to cook. I promise you, you can, you just have to practice, but yeah. And thing is it's just because you go to school does not make you a professional. You put the time, you put the work in. I've been doing this for almost 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, I've got some, some knowledge under my belt, but by no means will I ever consider myself a, a chef and a chef and a cook are two very different roles that you, you play. So that's something we could <laughs> talk about really briefly because I think sure. I might not even know. Cause I, we were tossing around names uh, for the show 
and a couple of them had chef in the title and you you were pretty uh clear about like <laughs> I'm not a chef so I don't want to use that that name and I guess I don't really know what's the difference between a cook and a chef a a cook is a person that executes the chef's idea and the chef's dream and um basically they're the foundation source of your food uh the chef they're the creators they may cook it and demonstrate it and explain it to you and tell you their their thoughts and their dreams about how this dish should be they are also the people that are doing your payroll they're doing the scheduling they're doing your uh BEOs, which is if you work in catering, banquet event op, um, orders. They're doing all these other things behind the scenes, making sure the proper things get ordered. Uh, a cook doesn't do that. So it's like a they combination don't pay- manager and also like R&D person. Who's like, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a lot of plates to, to spend. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, they do, they do pop in, they show you, they explain to you what they want, and then you as a cook being a vital source, regardless of, like, what stature you are at, like, like a saucier or a, uh, in the garmage, which does, like, all the cold prep and the salads and stuff, or the patisserie, which is, uh, the desserts, you know, you are still being instructed by your lead, by your chef of how they envision this dish. Cool. So they're, they're like every component of the kitchen is important. Yeah, that's neat. So I'm sure we'll talk yeah. more about like the, the workings of the kitchen at some point. But oh, absolutely. So now that you've kind of gotten uh, an idea of, of where we're both at in regards to cooking. Um, <laughs> We're going to, uh, the show, our kind of idea is we're, we're going to give you some kind of uh, cooking concept or food concept, uh, and then at the end of the show, we're going to give you a food review. Um, so this week, we're going to be talking about food safety, um, which is a, a big topic, but is one that I feel like, one of the things we talked about when we were discussing the show is like food myths, and... <laughs> And, like, misinformation. And I feel like this is one that there's a lot of for. Um, it's... I, I don't know if it's, like, food myths, sure. Um, but then there's, like, also certain degrees of, like, where it can translate into a cultural difference. Oh, sure, yeah. So it, it, it's one of those, like, interesting topics that, like, we are accustomed to over here. And then there are those that, like... Well, I heard this once. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I should do it. That's something that I would like to mention is like we are both we both live in the United States. Uh, there are different food cultures that are are you know very different around the world, and that encompasses everything in terms of like what what is eaten, why, food safety expectations, all that kind of stuff. So like, if we ever say something that is like. Uh, that that you hear and you're from a different food culture and you're like that that's that's weird <laughs> or or you know that's way different than how we do it or we say something uh, that that I mean like accidentally denigrates a different food culture we don't mean to it's just that's where we're from and that's where we're coming from and we'll we'll try our best not to do that <laughs> but. Um, well, also, just let us know. Leave yes. us messages. And, I mean, we're both learning. They're, yeah. Being a part of the culinary world is just a, a, a journey. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll never stop learning. So, so with ever. that, um, obviously, there's a couple, like, basic things that you should do with, with most food uh, to make, make them safer. Um, and, uh, the, the most basic one for, uh, non-meat, uh, and I guess there is kind of two main categories with food safety is meat and not meat. Um, (laughs) but with not meat, you want to wash it. It's really important. You've got your pesticide and bugs and, and dirt and all kinds of stuff that, that is, uh, on the food that, that's in the ground when it grows, when it's a vegetable or a a fruit or whatever. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, you always want to make sure you wash that stuff. I'm, um, I half-ass some stuff, and one of the things is, is cleaning the, the food before I cook it. And uh, I learned really quickly that the reason you do that is not just, uh, you know, to, to not get sick, which should be enough reason, but I'm an idiot. Uh, but if you're cooking something like leeks or cilantro or, or something that grows like literally like in the ground or, or, you know, um, or, or like a leek has a bunch of layers. Uh, the first time I cooked leeks, I didn't wash them and I, I was eating it and I was just like, wow, leeks sure are gritty. <laughs> you know, I was eating dirt because if you don't know what a leek is, uh, it's basically a big giant green onion and it's got a bunch of layers in it and I didn't clean it and I was just eating dirt. So like, yeah, regardless of whether you think you're impervious to, to disease, which you aren't, uh, you should always clean that stuff. It's really important. And also it not only is it important for your health, but just, it'll make it taste better. <laughs> I mean, if you're into that earthiness, you know, yeah, that's true. Um, also just some, I, I have heard this before and I, I didn't want to dispute it really. I did not have the mental energy, okay. but just, ju- just because you don't watch it does not mean you are, um, gaining impurities, like, you know, upping your immune system. Oh. That, that's not how that oh, works. Yeah. I mean, it is and isn't, um, when you deliberately just don't wash your vegetables, you you're opening up yourself to a lot of future just <laughs> danger, <laughs> danger, yeah, danger, there, danger. Truth to like, like if you cook vegetables for a really long time, especially if you boil them in water, yeah, you're losing a little bit of their nutrients. But trust me, like it's not gonna. You're not going to wash away all the good parts of broccoli because you rinsed it before you cooked it. It's going to be okay. I promise. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think it's mostly just laziness, to be to be oh, honest. Yeah, for me, that's definitely why I don't do it. And I really got to get better at it. But so. Um, well, also, like, when you go and pick up, like, a vegetable, you know, at the grocery store or flea market, you also don't know how many people touched that vegetable that you have magically chosen to consume so i mean yeah that's another another thing like the people who shipped it the the grocery mm -hmm. store that weird lady who checks every fucking watermelon before she picks one like make sure you tap it all those people people have touched it the other day i was i this is a diversion the other day i was at the grocery store and this lady was checking every bag of pre-shredded cheese before she picked one, and I couldn't figure out what she was doing because they all had the same date on them, and I had to conclude that it was a mix, uh, like a, 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 a Mexican cheese mix, and she was looking mm-hmm. for one that had the proper distribution of the different cheeses. <laughs> so, just I love people like that. It just... Yeah, it, grocery stores make for great people watching. Yes. So just remember, like a bunch of people have touched that, and you don't know where they've been. So wash it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then for meat, um, you actually uh, you mentioned to me that you might not want to wash meat. Um, and could you could you explain why? Well, the biggest thing it's mostly with like your poultry. Uh, say you have a bunch of chicken breasts that you want to cook up for your meal. Um, you do not necessarily need to <clears throat> literally wash your meat. And what, now that I say that out loud, you know, it's it sounds very... <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> proteins. I should just say proteins. Yeah, but yes, there you go. But, uh, it's gonna happen again. I already know no, this. It's fine. So, <laughs> uh, so w- when washing like your your uh, poultry, you are more likely to get <clears throat> all that juice and 
slime that has the potential and will carry salmonella all over your sink. Yeah. <clears throat> and you, like, if you're really good and diligent about, like, washing your sink, you know, it's just a big, bigger risk of spreading that uh, specific, like, foodborne illness like it's it's and that salmonella is no joke yeah. that it, it it hurts yeah. yeah um so my suggestion would be to pat it pat it dry with like a paper yep. paper towel and then immediately throw away and then put using top well wash your hands wash your hands uh, another huge thing in the culinary world wash your hands yeah. you, you it ain't hard you're never going to wash hands. your hands overly. Like there's, I, I was doing something, cooking something recently that had a bunch of different steps and I got a little frustrated cause I was like, man, this is like the fifth time, but just do it. Like every yeah. when you touch meat that has some, that could potentially have some kind of bacteria, just go ahead and do it. It doesn't take very long. It's okay. <laughs> so back to the whole poll thing. If, you, your pan is going to be hot enough yes. to basically burn all those germs or, you know, everything off the, the skin of the animal, so, <laughs> your protein, yeah. your meat. So that's the next thing is, is you need to wash those, those vegetables because they got pesticides, bugs, dirt, all that stuff. But your meat, uh, what you're mostly worried about is harmful organisms like uh, – like some like salmonella, for example, and when you cook it, it's gonna kill all that stuff mostly. Uh, as long mm-hmm. as you cook it, just in. try and keep it contained as much as possible. I mean, I when I have my little, uh, you know, the styrofoam tray that it comes in, generally it's a little too juicy, so I'll take a p- paper towel and pat it dry a little bit, and then season it, and then put it in my my screaming hot pan. Yeah, the- and then. Wash your hands. Yeah, patting it dry also can kind of change how it cooks because uh, if you've got less moisture on the outside of it, when you put it into that hot pan, it's going to fry up just a little bit faster because it doesn't have to work through that layer of of liquid. So it's it's both a safety thing and also it's going to help you cook it a little bit better. So just go ahead and pat it. Um, But yeah, so so meat, when you you cook meat, um, you're trying to cook... uh, you're trying to kill all the bacteria on the outside. That that's the the main thing is most cuts of meat have their their bacteria uh, on the outside. Um, so you want to make sure you 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 fry that off. Um, you know you can if you're not sure exactly how hot something needs to be, uh, Doctor Google can tell you the safe temperature <laughs> for whatever meat it is that you're that you're working on. Um, but uh, I, I looked it up, and, and Geneva, you can correct me. 165 degrees Fahrenheit is supposed to be the absolute, like, everything's dead. Uh, you can go lower than that on some things, depending on what the meat is, what the cut is. Again, please Google it. Don't take me, me as gospel. But like, that'll <laughs> make sure, like, everything's fine. Um, like I said, most of, the, most of yes. it's on the outside. Uh, that said... That there's a couple thing exceptions to that. Uh, ground meat it really needs to be. You got to make sure that you've cooked ground meat thoroughly because the surface area is everything basically, instead of just the outside because it's it's ground up. Um, so what's really funny about that is that in North Carolina, yes, I know it's so weird every time I visit. From, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can only get. Uh, ear burger served uh, basically medium well to well done. Yeah, it's weird. I, I it's it is. So I I a little more information. Me and Geneva went to school together in in North Carolina. Um, we were roommates, and when I moved to South Carolina uh, and could get a medium rare burger, I didn't really think that much about it, other than like rad, this is delicious. And then when I went back to visit, I was like, oh yeah, wait, why? <laughs> um, but I understand the concern is that it, you do need to be more a little more careful with ground meat. Um, uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it it also stands to the point that your meat 
is ground up. So like that steak that you bought, say you didn't really want to do anything, but you want to grind it up. All that bacteria is still on the outside that's being mixed and, you know, turned into each other. And so, which is what stands in the the whole reason of um, when you want to cook your ground beef at a, a higher temperature. Right. So at that point, you you may need to make sure the whole thing is and and also if you um if you don't have a thermometer, I will say that uh, most most of the time at a even at like a regular grocery store, you can find a meat thermometer for like ten dollars. Like it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's usually worth it to to make sure you've got. A little bit more safety so um look up those temperatures and then and then go get a thermometer and just poke it in there and and make sure you're good um the other exception besides uh ground beef uh ground meat is pork because pork uh as i'm sure a lot of you know maybe some people don't uh can sometimes carry um basically a roundworm as a parasite uh called that causes, see, I forget the name. Oh, trichinella is their trichinella, and they can cause trichinosis, which is a fucked up disease that you really don't want. <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's yeah. real bad. And so, what I think you mentioned to me before, what is the temperature you need to make sure the inside of pork is at? Uh, at least for 145. That is like the bare minimum for pork, but it leaves it still like a little pink on the inside and that's okay. Yeah. That, that's perfectly okay. It, this is one of the things I was kind of mentioning with, uh, uh, misinformation about food safety is that a lot of older generations, I know my dad did this, my wife's dad did this or wife's mom, sorry, did this where you would cook pork, especially pork chops till they're like a fucking hockey puck like just super hard because you're scared about the um the the bacteria or the i'm sorry the um uh, parasite in it and and you don't have to do that we've gotten a lot better in terms of uh of our food safety so the food itself coming from the manufacturer is less dangerous than it maybe was 40 50 years ago but also we just know better that yeah one one forty. Did you say 145? Yes. 145, we'll make sure that's okay. So you don't have to cook it until it's leather, um, but you do mm-hmm. got to make sure you cook it thoroughly so that it's it's okay. And, and you can still have your delicious pork chop uh, and not have this gross. <laughs> Hockey puck. Yeah. <laughs> boomerang. I like to picture it as a boomerang that will like fly through the window. God, my dad, I cooked it for my dad <laughs> once and he was just like, Oh, this is good. And I was like, yeah, it's pork chops. And he was like, I I thought pork chops sucked. <laughs> so, yeah. Still have- it's amazing what fear will do to people. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are certain things like I, I've gotten food poisoning like a handful times in my life and it's not fun it is not fun at all so it like has discouraged me from going to certain places or like i'll take a good like i'm gonna show up to you for like at least two years till (laughs) there's a whole different staff i don't know what's going on (laughs) yeah I, i i'm one of those kinds of people that you you hurt me once i i'm i'm mm -mm, no no yeah and it I can understand that that fear of, well, I guess it's just how it's always going to be, yeah, type of mentality, and it really doesn't have to. Yeah. But I do see like both sides of the spectrum. I really do. Yeah, but now we've got you know studies that that tell you, hey, it's okay. You know, it'll be all right. We use this this specific temperature, and and then you should be fine. So yeah, if you all if you ever have a question about food safety. The good news is you can always just Google like, hey, do I need to cook this or what what temperatures does this need to be or, or whatever? And you'll always be able to find that information pretty easily. Now, now again, like I want to reinstate the fact that this is um, our guidelines as in like within the United States of what right. we have learned yes. growing up yeah. like outside of the States. It could be completely different. And the food might be treated differently there so that a different temperature might be fine. Like maybe there's more strict storage and transportation guidelines so that 
mm-hmm. so that it's not as, as exposed. That's just what we know of is here. Yes. Oh, and also to go with the whole um, food transportation thing, one of the biggest things is to always go to a um, a, a good provider. Yeah. Um, can, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely have my, my – my grocery stores that I rely on that I only go to this grocery store because they have the best cuts of meat and um, their sources are very reputable. Yeah. So that's one of the number one things that um, was always drilled into my brain. It's like when, when you need something, make sure your source is reliable. Yeah. And if you don't know anybody who can tell you, you know, if you've bought, steak from the same place three times and every time you open the package and it like kind of smells funny maybe don't go there <laughs> you'll you'll figure it out yourself i'm sure um but yeah so so other than cooking it and and making sure it's it's clean um the other thing to note is that uh leaving f- uh food that is susceptible to bacteria out of refrigeration for over a couple hours or between 40 and 140 degrees, uh, at least in the United States, again, is what's called the danger zone, where bacteria <laughs> grows really fast. Um, you don't want to leave yes. steak or beef or chicken or, or pork in, in room temperature for a long time. Um, now, that said, you typically, at least for steak, you want to cook it at room temperature, but that doesn't mean you just leave it, leave it on your counter all day and then cook it. <laughs> you just want to let it thaw out a little. So when I was first learning, I was so scared of uh, affecting my steak that way that I would put, I would try to cook steak frozen. Did I ever tell you this? Don't do that. Oh. It doesn't work. <laughs> oh, Zach. Get like a black inside, outside, and then inside will still be like have ice crystals in it. It doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> so, and this is the part of the show where I'm just like, God damn it, Zach. <laughs> there will be a lot of those. But, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, just make sure you're you're not leaving it exposed for too long, but also understand that there is an acceptable limit. And and you don't need to be like me and literally just put frozen steak into a pan because that won't work. <laughs> so so w- with that being said, um, the way bacteria works is that it grows uh, rapidly during in between these two danger zone areas, and it's it's because of you know, if the food is hot, like below, I'm sorry, above 140, it can be, uh, it can be there for at least like a minimum of two hours. Yeah. Uh, anything after that, it either needs to be reheated to that temperature or uh, start the cooling process to get below 40 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, so you want to make sure it's outside of that range as much as you can. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then the that, sorry. Well, the different kind of like bacteria, of course, can be like staph. It can be salmonella. It can be uh, E. coli, and there's a couple of different kinds of E. coli out there. And then uh, some of them that I honestly I can't pronounce. <laughs> These words are hard, <laughs> but just know it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Just, you know, remember the danger zone. Yeah. That's so there you go. If you watch Archer, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, and then the last uh, food safety thing I have is, um, uh, is kind of about spoiled food. So spoiled food, again, this is all United States based. Um, our labeling for food expiration is weird. Um, in the United States, I don't know how it is other places, but we have a bunch of different, um, phrases that we use and they all mean different things. And most of them actually don't mean the food is bad by that date. So we've got sell by, which means, Hey, uh, it's basically more for the, the seller to mean like if we haven't sold it by this date, um, 
you know, by the time the person purchases it and gets it home and cooks it, that might be a problem. So let's go ahead and cycle it out. But if you have something in your fridge and you cook it by the sell-by date, unless it's been exposed, it's, unless it's been in the danger zone, as we previously discussed, it's probably fine. Um, best if used by is kind of a, a similar, a little different thing, which basically means like the quality of this might be not as good after this date, but you need to actually inspect it to, to know if it's actually gone bad. It may still like be fine. It just not as high a quality. And then the last one is use by. Use by is a little more serious in terms of like, yeah, they really want you to have cooked this by this date. <laughs> um, again, look at it, smell it, see what it looks like and smells like and, and use your, your own judgment. But that's maybe the one that's most serious. But again, none of these say expires. And the thing you got to remember is the date can't tell you whether or not it's been in the danger zone. Or it's exposed, you know, you, or you dropped it on the floor, or like any other kind of weird thing happened to it. So, just because your thing says sell by this date, if you if you bought it at the grocery store, out of a fridge, took it home, put it in the fridge immediately, it's completely sealed. Like, use your best judgment, smell it, look at it. it j- just know that like a lot of that stuff is more for the store than for you. It's kind of a weird one because I always I used to throw shit out like the second that uh, sell by date came, and then I realized I was being kind of silly. So yeah, that's a weird one. I don't know. Do you have any any insight to that one? You've never worked at a grocery store, have you? I I worked at a a small like mom and pop shop okay. uh, for a couple of years, um, and I I did have to you know cycle you know, the products and, um, move things around here and there. Uh, but it is mostly, yeah, use your best judgment. I primarily worked with a lot, um, frozen and dairy, obviously frozen has a much longer time period of, Hey, you know, this can chill out, but like, especially like with dairy, uh, yogurts and anything that's kind of like almost fermented, um, those, those can be definitely iffy, like not there. I'm trying to think of like the best way to explain it (laughs) because typically like yogurt can actually stay a bit longer than, you know, the expiration and sell by date, not saying that you should do it. Do not like, this is just based off of like, okay, well again, do the sniff test, you know? Does it have any fuzziness growing on it? Does it smell funky? Um, you know, do those all those things with yogurt. If the package is expanded, like if it looks like it has a lot of air in it, oh yeah, chances are it's done. That's, it's done. That goes for that, a lot of stuff. If you see like a canned good that's like puffed out, don't eat that. That's don't yeah. yes, <laughs> do not do that. That's somehow uh, air got leaked into it, and it's it's growing something heinous and you, you don't, you don't want to unleash, you know, levers and Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All that stuff said. Other than that. Yeah. I mean, you feel uncomfortable eating something past the sell by date. I mean, don't, that's fine. But like, it's just to say that if it smelled and looked exactly the same, the day before that date and it's that it smells and, and looks afterwards, it's probably still okay. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, don't wait forever. Like don't buy something on the sale by date and yes, like wait forever to decide to actually eat yeah, it, consume it. Like grocery stores will discount stuff if it's the sell by date. And if you bought that, go ahead and cook it as soon as you get the chance. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so so just remember that that's uh, kind of a, a suggestion, and use your best judgment. Um, don't eat shit with stuff growing on it or that smells. <laughs> good, but, you know, do, do your best. So okay, well that's our food safety overview. There's probably a shitload more <laughs> to say about it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and we'll probably get to those. And if you have any questions, you can always like find us on uh, a Facebook page that we have, the Survival 
surviving culinarian. Or the Twitter that uh, that we have, which is s at s culinarian. Uh, you can get us on Twitter as well if you got any questions about food safety. And you know, we're not we don't work for the FDA, but we can do our best <laughs> to help you out. So there you go. Also, if you have any suggestions, and like I I. I'm a child. I'm still learning everything and I want to acknowledge everything. So if you guys have any extra like ideas or customs that you have followed yeah, uh, that you want to share, absolutely. Or actually another one, if you have like a weird food safety thing that someone told you that sounds weird, shoot that to us too. Cause I think that'd be fun. I had a friend who told me that her mom told her if, uh, if she, defrosted chicken in the microwave she would get cancer just straight up like immediately get cancer which like the best way to defrost stuff is is not the microwave but like there there are certain <laughs> things that that i i think are weirdly widespread and if you have heard one that you think is just not true uh shoot it to us because i want to hear them i think that'd be interesting um yeah i do too i it'd be fun so <laughs> also that, Oh, it's just, it'll make my brain think harder and like, I'll have to be like, oh my God, I need to know the answer to this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we might have to Google it. We'll, we'll go ahead and do our own research and then we'll, we'll get back to you. Cause that's fun for us too. So for our food, we're going to do our food review and, and to preface this, we do not live anywhere near each other. So when we were talking about this, we we're like, how are we going to do this? Cause we can't necessarily like just both cook a recipe and review a recipe which maybe we'll do that eventually but that would be a little tougher um well i think also the bigger challenge is that i recently just i'm within my first year of living in my uh my place and um i am a little afraid of my stove (laughs) so i'm in the works of replacing it and like with my job and how many, like, the crazy hours I pull sometimes is just not optimal for me to be able to cook every day and then also not have a working stove at the moment. Um, so I kind of had to be like, well, chef microwave. Yeah. Hello. So we're going <laughs> to, at least to start, review some, um, like, pre, pre-made meals. Um, some of them are going to be, you know, microwavable meals. Um, there's other stuff like soups or, or other kinds of like, like skillet meals, maybe eventually that, that kind of stuff. Um, and also that means that we can give you a review of something that you can just go buy, um, which might be more useful to you. So the first one that we're going to talk about, uh, is Campbell's Chunky Max, M-A-X-X brand, which you may have seen these in, it's in the soup aisle. They're in like a plastic container, uh, and they're meant to be able to be microwaved in the container itself instead of like a can where you got to pour it into a uh, a bowl at work or whatever. Um, and the specific one that we've uh, reviewed is uh, smoked turkey and bacon corn chowder with wild rice. And real quick before we talk about it, I wanted to say I looked up the history of canned soup today. Oh. Because I was interested, yeah. I was interested, uh, and I found out that um, th- there have been canned soups here, here or there f- since like the the eighteen fifties even. But Campbell's uh, Doctor John T. Dorrance uh, was a chemist with Campbell's Soup, and he invented condensed soup in eighteen ninety seven. Um, if you've ever had a regular Campbell's, like not chunky or anything, or Progresso. Uh, which I feel like got really big in the past like decade or, or 15 years. Um, you, if you're thinking of your Campbell's chicken and stars that you have to put water into, that's condensed soup. And basically they, they created a way to um, uh, condense everything in the soup so that it, it'll stay longer um, in the can. Uh, fresh, well, not fresh, but edible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and could be cheaper, so they could go ahead and just all you gotta do is add a can full of this water back into it, and then you can eat it. And that was invented in 1897, which is crazy. It's been around that long. Um, but then in the 90s, uh, the 1990s, 
uh, non-condensed soups uh, started to be a bigger thing where you literally just pour it into a bowl and microwave it and take it to work. So now we've got these, uh, these li- you know, microwave it in the, in the container uh, stuff. So those have, uh, have been around for a little while, but I've never really had many of them. So it was kind of interesting to, to check this one out. Um, did you want to start? Since you're the uh, sure, because <laughs> I got well, some notes about it. <laughs> I, I, I like the labeling, like the outside of it as like a primary black, and then Max is like super bold. Yeah, and like just the ingredients itself sounded pretty good: smoked turkey and bacon, corn chowder, yeah, wild rice. Like, yeah, that looks right. I ain't mad about that. It definitely does feel like that. Uh, like um, category of things that are are kind of marketed to dudes, like the you know what I mean, like where you've got your devour or other like mm-hmm. it's all meat, like that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, no, like protein pack. Yeah, and it's like you know, I I, I work and does not necessarily mean that I get to like eat like a hearty meal so sometimes yeah i go for those more protein packed like meal like small meals like this um and so it's just when i picked it up she's like all right well this will be a quick and easy dinner for me and see how it goes uh so when i opened it you open the lid and then there's like this like little pop top and it has three instructions remove replace heat and then enjoy. Yeah. So simple enough. Uh, put it in the microwave for, you know, like a couple minutes. And then you eat it right out of the little yeah. bowl cup. Yep. So upon looking upon at it, they used um, a, a dark meat turkey. So the you don't get the, the white turkey. You get the dark meat, which is like more pinker. Yeah. And honestly, I was pretty happy with, like, how big, like, the vegetables were because there was, like, obvious carrots and I can see the corn. I can see celery. I saw the meat. Yeah. The vegetables, I, it, I think, were my favorite part. You've got, like, corn and peppers and carrots and, like, they look mm-hmm. like corn and par- peppers and carrots. And some soups, those, especially, like, peppers, are real, like, mushy. And oh, yeah. I did not do that. So I thought the vegetables were good in this. It was pretty good. So uh, after, like, my first bite, it's like, all right, all right, yeah, it's not bad. And then I continue to eat it, and then I realized, like, it had almost no flavor. <laughs> yeah, so. I think that was probably my biggest complaint is that it had, like, no flavor there. I didn't taste any smoked turkey. I tasted turkey, but it wasn't smoked. So here's what I'll say: uh, it's the, what the package says is smoked turkey and bacon with corn chowder and wild rice, and it's a turkey broth. Which the broth I thought was fine. I've never really had turkey broth actually. It's pretty much well good. I wouldn't say it was a broth. It's it's a it's a cream. It's a okay, cream base. Yes. The broth is, tends to be more clear. You're you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. The the ingredient, the turkey stock, is what it says. But you're <laughs> right. It is a, it is more of a cream. But yeah. So I the that that chowder part I thought was fine. But like, you're right. The the so here's something that's interesting. This has fifty percent of your daily recommended sodium. I was waiting for you to bring that and up. It didn't, and I like salt, but it didn't taste like it was salted to me. Like it was under seasoned. How is that possible? I don't understand. How so here, here's the thing. When you have a lot of starchy vegetables, and this even includes like your root vegetables, such as carrots, those absorb a lot of salt. Okay. Like a lot of salt. And so it, it doesn't necessarily taste like there is a lot. Yeah. And then also like on top of like, chances are the ch- turkey in there and the bacon, it's cured. Yeah. So you're, yeah. and generally those things that are cured are cured in salt. Yeah. So instead of like having to add more salt, they just kind of did what they already had. Cause it's crazy. Cause I was like, 
this could use some salt. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, wait, what? So yeah, it's, it's weird. It is bland. The other thing is like, I didn't notice any bacon. The only thing that is like, there is bacon in it, at least according to the list. But the thing I mostly tasted was that fake smoke taste, like liquid smoke. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I I, honestly, I didn't even taste that. I tasted it a little bit. There's not a ton of it. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can buy like smoke flavoring it's it's like uh a liquid smoke yeah. and i mean it's not terrible it, no. like in a pinch it does work but it's not something that you should absolutely rely on for everything that you want to quote unquote smoke right. it, it's it felt like they were like i don't know there's some bacon bits in there but like it doesn't taste smoky so put a little bit of this in there so mm-hmm. yeah it it really mostly tasted bland especially the turkey like, I was bummed out, because I love turkey. Yeah. It was like, somehow the turkey chunk chunks tasted dry, despite the fact that they were floating in liquid. <laughs> so. uh, sometimes, if the turkey's pre-cooked before being cooked in the liquid, oh, uh, it that it, it does not absorb as much as it's, you know... Will would have okay. prior, and so that's what I'm thinking. Is like a lot of these items, they were probably pre cooked, and then when they made their 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 soup base, the cream base, and just probably just kind of it put it right all in into the all together. Wow. But I I don't know this. Yeah. This is just kind of yeah. an assumption of how I think of like why certain like especially the protein being dry. Yeah. Is that they they had to have like pre cooked it before like combining all the ingredients together? Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah, I mean, like I said, I thought the vegetables were pretty good, and the rest of it was not not <laughs> very good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was surprised because I like I'm a huge soup guy. I love Progresso. I'll I probably eat like two cans of Progresso a week. I know it's not very good for me because it's chock full of salt, but it's an easy meal. And when I got this, I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll have, like, a new thing to add. And I don't know that I will. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe <laughs> some of the other ones are better. But, yeah, I, I didn't love it. I would give it, like, a two out of five, maybe. It's not, like, the worst thing I've ever eaten, but. Uh, well, if I'm going based of, off of everything else, like, I mean, like, like I said, like, every spoonful I got, there was some chunkiness so it had all the elements to it the packaging was not bad the directions was easy the you know the visual of it was actually pretty nice it just had no flavor (laughs) so i i under you explained it pretty well it's just like it's still crazy to me that it can have that much salt and taste bland i don't understand (laughs) it's just nuts so well, my my other thought, and you know, being that we're kind of going on these pre-made meals to start with, is that they are advertising for the masses. Yeah. Not everybody's gonna have the same palate, same taste, same anything. Yeah. So when they're trying to make it suitable for as many people, as many palates as possible, so it might be. It's something that you kind of have to accept that it might be on the more blander side than what you are uh, acquired to. Yeah. Because some people yeah. can't handle like spicy that makes sense. or they can't handle um, something that is like too salty yeah. or too sweet. So I have to kind of give it a leeway in that perspective. So sure. you're going with two. A rating of two? Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with two, but maybe... maybe. Uh, I'm going to go with, like, a uh, a, a three, okay. a three out of five. I like, I mean, it yeah. had everything else. I think if they tweaked the recipe just a bit more, yeah. they they could have definitely, like, upped the ante with that one. Yeah. It's a, it's, it was an interesting thing to try, because I don't think... Like I said, I don't think I've ever had, like, a turkey-based soup before. I know. I saw that in the store. I'm like, okay, Zach. Yeah. Hey. I love turkey. <laughs> like, this is. I I'm not as bad about it now, but at Thanksgiving, I um I've been known to like, people have 
like no zach you aren't allowed to have any more leftovers because like we want there to be some for tomorrow and you'll just eat it all, so you have to stop and, I, and then you'll sleep for days i love turkey so that was kind of disappointing but but it's interesting to try it so okay well our little last section here we've got is uh i think you have a book you want to recommend for people I do. I I want to try and like recommend um, books, whether if it's like a cookbook or um, even just like an article that you can find online. Just uh, just a little like tidbits, things to read, like especially when you're brand new or you want to get into it. One of the bigger things is like learning how to like read a menu or read a recipe. Um, and the book that I want to feature is called The Fearless Gourmet, and it's decoding menus from like around the world and how to order like you're kind of there. The book is uh, by Norman Kolopas, uh, K O L P A S. I apologize if I butchered that. You did fine. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I do a show where we talk about a show that comes from Japan, and every time I say any name, I'm always like, oh, "God, I'm so sorry. Please don't hate me." So I think you did okay. <laughs> well, uh, I I always have this constant fear because in culinary school, everything was in French, yeah. and I'm just like, "Oh no." <laughs> um, I can recognize it. I can. Like, if you say it out loud, I know exactly what you're talking about. Do not ask me to repeat it. <laughs> because I will just get really embarrassed and just like, yep, that thing, and I'm going to do this thing, and bye. <laughs> but, so, one of my favorite, favorite kind of food, specifically, is like, uh, Korean, Korean barbecue, uh, foods and Asian cuisines and uh, while we've been like working on our first episode um, I have been going to uh, Asian markets and I actually went back home to Raleigh uh, recently and I went back and saw some of my favorite Asian markets and picked up some snacks and stuff uh, before coming back to my current home, which is in uh, Florida. So uh, one of the bigger things that I like to do, of course, is like read about Asian cuisines and just uh, learn everything <laughs> about it. And also learn that I'm really just bad at all languages at this point. <laughs> well, I think a lot. Of uh, are, but yeah. <laughs> But so, let's see here. Like, one of their favorite, like, well, actually, this is a Vietnamese. Um, so, a lot of Vietnamese places have been opening up in the Raleigh area. And um, I started, like, really diving into uh, Vietnamese food while I was down there. Up there. Up. I am down. They are up. <laughs> God. I'm still adjusting, and I've been here for almost two know, years. I, this is I ridiculous. <laughs> Um, so like a banh mi, it's yeah. a, a signature sandwich in uh, Vietnamese kitchens. Um, they're a uh, basically served on like a, a soft like French roll that's split uh, with like mayonnaise or a pate, uh, sprinkled with um, sliced or sliced ham or other kind of cold cuts. Uh, and then cucumber slices and carrot and pickled daikons, yeah. which daikon is basically a white carrot. Yeah. It is another root vegetable. And it's really good. It's really, really radish good. It doesn't quite taste like a carrot. Right, I think daikon is uh, technically like a radish. I don't know. They have a little spice to them, but they're, yeah, carroty. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. Um, and then green onions and chili peppers, fresh basil, mint leaves, like... The uh, the bon me like the little pickled stuff is the smell can be a bit powerful, yeah. but it tastes so good. The, the, it's so worth it. These are my wife's favorite Vietnamese dish. 
they're 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 oh my god oh my goodness but this book basically tells you like everything from like spain and portugal to italy to france to china like it has a bunch of cool like little tricks of the trade and like how to pronounce things and a little brief history on it it's a fun book uh to like just read and you know take around with you cool i i actually have one too i didn't think i did but i thought about it and um I have a book that I've been reading through called uh, The Food Lab uh, by J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. I'm sure I said that wrong. It's L-O-P-E-Z-A-L-T. Um, it's a, a, a cookbook that won a couple of awards. It's got a James Beard uh, Foundation Book Award, a um, couple of other awards. And I, my, my mother-in-law got it for me. Um, and its focus is on explaining to you, if you ever watched much Alton Brown when he was on, on TV more, uh, his focus was always on the science of food and like, it, do this to the food and it will make it be like this because of this. And that's kind of what this book is mostly focused on. Um, it's split into sections, so there'll be like a breakfast section. And at the beginning of the breakfast section, it'll have like, five or six pages on different ways to make eggs and like what happens to the protein of an egg when you're cooking it and why it can be end up in so many different states and how you can get it into those different states. And then it'll give you like an eggs Benedict recipe. But before it does that, it explains all, all this stuff about like how, how eggs work in on the pan or in the pot or, or anything like that. And it goes through a bunch of different, you know, there's, there's uh, beef recipes and chicken recipes. And, and the recipes themselves are a little simpler than, than what it sounds like is um, in your book. But it, it's more focused on, like, somebody like me who is, doesn't know as much and is just like, hey, let me, let me tell you why eggs is how eggs is. <laughs> well, some eggs recipes. <laughs> that's actually fantastic. Yeah. That's that's so I re- wonderful. I really like um, when I graduated from culinary school, I graduated with a applied science degree because that's what cooking is, yeah. and uh, it's uh, uh, applied science. It's also kind of a, a physical science. Um, in the culinary world is definitely more physical in the pastry world. It's, uh, more chemistry. So you're applying all these different methods. You're measuring out, you are being your own mad scientist. And that's one of the biggest things I love about like going to culinary school. Uh, I went to culinary school later in my career just because, I could. I, I did it because I wanted to do it. And now I know more specific things about what I had already known. But now I know why these things happen. Why there is this reaction versus, well, why didn't this happen? Yeah. You know. Cool. So it's, even though, like, some people may have been in the field for, you know, a X amount of years, the school, though already teaching you stuff that you already know will also give you more like valuable in-depth information. And I, that's what I took. Yeah. yeah, That's what I took away. And you know, my inflated ego also got knocked down a couple of pegs too, which was good. Uh, but it was, I mean, honestly, I, I would go, uh, go back and do culinary school again and, you know, get my butt kicked and you know i i had a i definitely had a gordon ramsay-esque teacher instructor and she was one of my absolute favorites (laughs) sometimes that's what you need yeah well i mean it's one of those things is like in in school you're 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 kind of you're being watched so you don't like hurt yourself, yeah. hurt other people, <laughs> explode like <laughs> your surrounding areas. Yeah. Um, and some of the stories I uh, 
I have, oh my goodness. Well, it's, it's definitely a lifetime of like stories right there. We'll get into a bunch of stories of both of us hurting ourselves and cooking. So yeah, cool. Well, there you go. There's a couple of books that you should check out. Um, if, if you want to, they're, they're good reads and it's always fun to have something to, to kind of play like, and this is like, it's kind of written like a textbook. Uh, the food lab so I read through it very slowly but it's nice to have something to to kind of think about food wise when I'm not cooking or or like I took it with me on on a two-week trip and just kind of read it so it's been nice but it's also just really fun to throw random facts at people and just kind of like walk away (laughs) it's always fun to be like hey did you know there are 37 ways to cook an egg okay bye (laughs) but yeah so, um, so that's going to do it for us this, this first week, I think. If you have any questions for us, uh, feel free to shoot them to us on our Facebook group, uh, Surviving Culinarian. You can find us there. Or S Culinarian on Twitter. Uh, and that's, if, if, in case you don't know how to spell it, because I'm bad at it, it's C-U-L-I-N-A-R-I-A-N. And you can uh, talk to us there. Um, so... Until next time, I guess. Uh, I've been Zach. (laughs) And I am Geneva. And have a great day. I don't have a sign-off. I have one for the other show. I haven't thought of one for this. I'm going to edit one in after I think of it. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.